and welcome to a special episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. I had to bring back one of my good friends, uh, Mr. Mistel himself. Uh, how are you feeling today, brother? There's a lot going on. This is right in your bailiwick. Yeah, man. Well, look, you're in the trenches fighting for, for, for real people who have real concerns. I, I sit up here from the ivory tower and be like, hmm, that seems wrong to me. <laughs> and uh, well, Ellie, I'm glad to have you, Ellie, because we got some questions and we got to sort through the Supreme Court. And no one knows the Supreme Court, in my opinion, uh, better than you uh, and Jeffrey Tubin. So, <laughs> uh, you, you, folks know you, so we'll hop right into it. Before we talk about the three most likely nominees for President Biden to replace Justice Breyer, what do you think is Breyer's legacy on the court? Let's look at big picture here. Yeah, you know, it's almost a shame. I'm, a, I, I'm saddened a little bit that it took so much public pressure and outrage to get him to retire outrage and pressure that was had to be brought to bear because of the rules and the politicization of the Supreme court set up by Mitch McConnell. Um, It's, it's too bad that it kind of had to to go out like this because Breyer had a long distinguished and honorable career. Um, Yes. He was a a centrist. um, You could call him that. Yes. He was more moderate than, Oh, I don't know me. Um, on certain issues. But Breyer... Can I ask you a question real quick about that before you just put a pin in? Was he truly a moderate jurist or was it just that his personality was one that he attempted many times to go above and beyond to build consensus with his conservative colleagues? Yeah, okay, so I'm going to... Uh, the personality was absolutely one of a consensus builder and of a collegial person as opposed to an argumentative person. But there's also this other a- aspect, and I've made this case before. There's no such thing as a moderate Supreme court justice right <laughs> there are people who believe the things they believe some of the things they believe tend to be centrist some of the things they believe tend to be extreme it's just a question of of do, is he extreme in the way that you like or is he centrist in the way that you like that's how they get tagged with these labels it's not like they're actually looking for like hmm, what's what's the most milk toast thing I could do today? Nobody thinks like that, right? So Breyer had centrist positions when it came to crime and punishment, had centrist positions when it, when it came to um, Fourth Amendment rights, uh, search and seizure, centrist positions when it came to police brutality, but really great progressive um, opinions when it came to women's rights, when it came to the death penalty. Breyer is probably the most anti-death penalty justice that we've had since Thurgood Marshall passed away. Um, and so, so yes, while he deserves the label or tag moderate centrist because of his style, certainly on some key issues that are very important to me, uh, um, uh, Breyer was a reliable vote and voice on that court. And he had a, he had a great career. One, and I just have to say this, one that had no hint of scandal, no, no hint of, of corruption, um, one that was honorable and he served with integrity. And, that's, and, and, and people should know that. And I think that that I need to take a point in, in acknowledging his career and his longevity, his service to the court. He's written some of the most brilliant opinions on abortion this country has seen. And I was somebody along with Brian Fallon and many others who were questioning when he was going to go home and not out of any dislike for him, but out of fear that we wouldn't be able to uphold his legacy uh, with someone who had at least some thought like him, no matter who the president nominates. And this is some of the conversations we have off, off the record. This is when your cynicism, the the one the wonderful cynicism that you often display comes out. No wonder who no no matter who he nominates, if confirmed, the balance of the court will still be a six three conservative majority for my listeners who don't follow the court. 
and think, why does this even matter if the court is still conservative? Explain why does this pick still matter? Well, a couple of reasons. One, 30 years is a long time, right? <laughs> like you, you, just, you just don't know who's going who's gonna to retire, who's going to get hit by a bus, who, like, who's going to get abducted by aliens. 30 years is a long time. And so even a justice that starts off in the minority might one day become um, in the majority. Clarence Thomas has been in the minority most of his judicial career. Now he's a sentence. So you just don't know over the long course of things. But there's also, uh, you know, a sense of, of what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the justices, like I said, they're, they're all distinct in their beliefs. And having people that can be more representative, perhaps of, uh, of the country as a whole, who come at it from a, perhaps a different perspective than we've traditionally seen on the court, these people are also able to write um, uh, write opinions. Sometimes, you know, when they're writing dissents, people are like, well, what's the point of a dissent? Man, a dissent is just a majority opinion that hasn't happened yet, right? And, and, and so... <laughs> And some of these dissents end up being more famous than the majority opinions, especially when they when history decides that the dissenters were actually right, and they can point the way to laws in the future. Um, um, so, so you never want to you, you never want to denigrate the value of a good dissent, even if it's done in a losing battle. And then the last thing I'll say that a lot of people aren't always keyed into the the these justices um, will hire four or five law clerks clerks a year those law clerks go on to be the judges and justices of the future. Uh, being a Supreme Court law clerk is the most prestigious thing that you can have on your resume as a lawyer. So getting people, you know, I know we'll get into this later, but getting people who maybe have a more expansive thought of who, what a Supreme Court clerk looks like, that's actually setting up the whole legal um, ferment for the future. Um, one of the front runners, for instance, in this uh, race is a former Stephen Breyer clerk. Right. So yes. like it's uh, the, the, the way that these oh, and, a, and a Justice Stevens clerk. Yeah. So like the way that these people can can really uh, uh, impact the long term development of the law in America is significant, even if kind of we're still going to lose on many issues um, over the next you know, 10, 15 years. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. We know it won't be Sherlyn Eiffel, Anita Hill, or Kamala Harris. By the way, I love all three of them, and I think that Sherlyn Eiffel needs to get the full vetting and, and proper 
but you know her service over the over her lifetime demands as such uh can you explain to folks why these aren't optimal picks because they're popular on twitter i hate to say this especially because you know look i'm 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 raised to be a very respectful person and so i don't i want to be delicate when i say this but we're dealing with lifetime appointments and when we look at what the republicans have done they you're trying to say that these folk are too old (laughs) i'm trying not to say it that way (laughs) but let's just say the republicans have appointed have appointed people with lots of life left and <laughs> the Democrats have to match suit, have to have to hold serve and also nominate people with lots of life um, left. Some of these people um, are a little bit, uh, you know, uh, don't, you know, are a little bit closer to the end. Than I like with Eiffel in particular, though, I don't think her age is the is the problem. Um, and I, I look, you're she needs a full vetting. She deserves it. I think you say it exactly right. I think what her what the issue might be is that. She has taken positions that Republicans will be particularly angry about, right? This is not a situation where Biden has 60 votes in the Senate. And and these aren't just legal positions. She's taken political positions as well. Right, exactly. Um, um, Because because that's her job. Her job has been to be an advocate for our rights. And she has been a fantastic advocate um, for, for our rights at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. But because of some of those advocacy positions, there is going to be a lot of grist for the Republican smear uh, uh, mill. And we have, a rel- we have a very small majority in the Senate to the extent we have one at all. And we have a number of weak Democrats, quite frankly. I, it, it, that would be a hard confirmation fight. Um, I, I think that, that might be what, what turns, what, what does not work in her favor, but she'll get a good bet um, and she'll get a good luck and she deserves it. So we've got three names that I think are in serious contention. I know there are probably a couple more, but we've got three names that are in serious contention to replace Breyer, given that President Biden has promised to appoint a black woman to the court. So let's talk about all three. Let's first start with one of my good friends, somebody I practice in front of and um, just adore, uh, U.S. District Court judge and nominee for the D.C. Circuit Court, I believe her hearings next Tuesday, J. Michelle Childs. Who is she and why is she on Biden's shortlist? A couple of things. Well, she is a is a, an employment law expert, um, which is just kind of relevant just at the moment, given the Republicans' constant attacks on laborers. We saw that most recently with the OSHA man, vaccine mandates case. That was really, that was an attack on labor disguised as an attack on science. Um, that's what that decision was. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> That was a layered sentence there. Right. Um, so it's great to have that kind of experience. Um, but she she's from South Carolina. She she has the endorsement and support of, of, of Congressman Jim Clyburn, noted Biden saver of bacon, uh, 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 Jim Clyburn. That's a big endorsement. And she has a unique educational experience on this court. You mean she didn't go to Harvard or Yale? She didn't go to Harvard or Yale. She got her BA from University of South Florida. She got her JD, her law degree, from the University of South Carolina. If she was on the court, she would be the only person on the court and the first in God knows how long um, to have gotten a law degree from a state school. Um, We're talking about a pick from Scranton Joe, a guy who got his law degree. Joe Biden got his law degree from Syracuse. You know, not Cornell, not not Dartmouth from, from Syracuse, right? Right, that might that might uh, appeal to Biden. And also it should appeal to, uh, to the country because when we talk about diversity, 
it is important, yes, to have racial diversity and ethnic diversity and gender diversity, but we also need to get some professional diversity and educational diversity. Until Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed, the only two law schools represented on the Supreme Court were Harvard and Yale. Look, and as a proud Harvard grad, I'm really sorry that there were so many Yale people on the court, but you get my point that there are, there are more than two schools, right? Um, and, and, and there are more than two ways to, to skin this cat. So Childs really brings a much wider sense of diversity um, than merely uh, 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 the color of her skin um, and her gender. Uh, California Supreme Court Justice Leandra Kruger, who is she and why is she on the shortlist? If I'm not mistaken, she was Harvard and Yale. Harvard, editor of the Yale Law Journal, uh, uh, um, former deputy solicitor general during the Obama administration, has a reputation for arguing with eloquence and, uh, and style, writing with, with real uh, fire and intellectual candle power. Um, so if you kind of think about how sometimes the conservatives will put up a justice that they basically act like he's the smart, he's, he's the sharpest tool in the shed, you know, the Neil Gorsuch's, the Antonin Scalia's, um, Kruger is kind of the, the liberal or democratic version of that, somebody who can really joust with them in the kind of intellectual mosh pit um, um, uh, for uh, until the cows come home. She's her, her main credential is that she is smart. And again, I don't want to be indelicate here, but you know, she's 45. She's going to be, she's going to be around for, for a long time. She's 45 and she works out. Right. So she's, she's going to be around for <laughs> they a long say time. She's actually, they say of the three and, and I do know that at actually practicing and you will understand this. I think a lot of lawyers who listen to the show will understand it as well. One of the biggest compliments I give Judge Childs is she actually reads the shit that you write before you go in front of her. Every judge don't necessarily do that. Mm -hmm. But um, to Judge or Justice Kruger's credit, I understand that she's probably the best writer out of the three. Yeah, that's you know by acclamation, um, um, and just from reading a few of her opinions, there's a, there's a real clarity into how she writes and how she puts it. And you know what people don't always understand, she's she's been quite moderate in her opinions. There are a lot of unanimous opinions that she's written on the California Supreme Court. You know, a lot a lot of you know she will she has her liberal bona fides to be sure. But she has she has taken some moderate stances that might surprise people. One of my favorite decisions of hers, she, you know, as I said, Breyer strong against the death penalty. Um, Kruger had this brilliant uh, uh, case overturning a death sentence that was given to a white supremacist, where she argued that the prosecution improperly used evidence of his white supremacy, which should not have been a, 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 a was improper basis to send him to death. Yeah, it's not an exacerbating factor. Right. And I thought that was just like, that's what I, that, I love to go on TV and defend that. that. That, that'd be a fun one. Right. So that, that's her thing. Again, she's young. She's on a state court, not a federal uh, um, court, not like Judge Childs or some of the other people that are, that are bandied about. So, you know, that, that's going to be her, her. And she back. hasn't been vetted to not, that district court level. Not nearly the same. I mean, again, when we're talking about Judge Childs with the, the with already the pre-endorsement really of a congressperson, she's been vetted. Other people on this list have been vetted very hard. This will be Kruger's first vet. Let's put it like this. And that's a hell of a vet to be your first vet on the Supreme Court. Right? So, so we'll see. So let me bring you to who everybody's- they find, no, they find I, people I boy, they let, to. All they got to do is pull my driving record. They be like, he got a rap sheet. That's what that's what Marsha Blackburn is saying. Black about <laughs> he got a rap sheet. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm keep my, my, me and my rap sheet ass in South Carolina. Uh, DC Circuit Court Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson. She is by all 
accounts, the front runner. She should have been the nominee uh, back when Mayor Garland was chosen. She is like a somehow 18th cousin, twice removed with a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law from Paul Ryan or something like that. She had three Republicans to vote for previously. I believe they were Collins, Murkowski and Graham. You can check me if I'm wrong, but who is she? And why is she on Biden's shortlist? And why do people think she's the favorite? I mean, you just said it all. She got 53 Republican votes. Like, (laughs) show me somebody else that got 53 votes, including, sorry, 53 votes, including three Republicans from this Senate. She got, you know, Murkowski, uh, sorry, uh, Cinema and Manchin stayed on board for her when she was appointed to replace Merrick Garland on the D.C. Circuit, plus exactly Murkowski, Collins, and Graham. I think Romney is in play long-term when we talk about a, a potential um, Brown-Jackson nomination. So she's got that political kind of background. In terms of the vet we were just talking about, because she was a finalist for the Obama, Obama appointment that eventually went to Merrick Garland, wrongly, I think we can all, you know, I think reasonably can say that. I mean, if we were going to, let, let's back up. My theory is if we were going to die on that hill anyway, let's at least have something to fight over. There was no there, there's no there was no Merrick Garland mobilization, but people would have mobilized for Kentonji Brown Jackson and made the Supreme Court an issue in that 2016 election. As we can see now, we're nominating the first black woman to sit on the Supreme Court has a bit of cachet beyond just the legal back and forth. Right. And Obama could have really linked himself into that cachet and made Republicans look real, real bad. Because remember how remember how much disrespect they did to Merrick Garland. They wouldn't even give him a meeting. They wouldn't even get him a hearing. All Obama wanted was an up or down vote. And 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 to 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 literally be saying that you will not give this black woman an up or down vote. You don't have to have, you know, you want to vote against her, you go ahead and do that. But but put put her on the floor, Mitch. That's a whole different argument in 2016 than the argument that we were making with the milk toast white guy, right? Um, that's a whole different argument when you when you go to voters in 2016. Hey, you got to vote for Hillary because she's going to support this black woman. That's a whole different argument, right? So, so I argue that he should have done he should have done that. Uh, that that was one of Obama's bigger mistakes. I also argue, if we're relitigating the past, that having nominated Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland should have just showed up to work. You know, like, what's Rob Robert's going to do? Like, kick him out? Like, show up to work? Start <laughs> see what happens. Uh, um, I, mean, I, well, I don't know why we didn't. This. I don't know why we didn't appoint him during the lame duck session. I don't know. Is that possible? Right. I mean, if they would have said no. They would have said we're not really in a lame duck. I would have challenged that. Like, ch- like I would not have. But anyway, not here yeah. to talk about the past. In the present, Kentaji Brown Jackson already been vetted. Already kind of a finalist. A known quality, Harvard College, Harvard Law School, was a federal public defender. defender. We talked earlier about the importance of having professional diversity. She brings that professional diversity, was the head of the United States Sentencing Commission, and worked hand in glove with the Obama administration to reduce those disparities between powder cocaine and crack cocaine uh, um, sentencing, disparities that Joe Biden brought upon us with his... (laughs) Crime. I mean, yeah, I, well, I mean, if you want to unravel some shit, then, <laughs> you know, this would be the one to do it, right? right? Like, there, there, there are a lot of good storytelling moments that you can have with this nominee. So, I that that's why she's the front runner. But you know, it, the 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 nomination process is long. Presidents get a feeling. I like to tell the story. Um, you know, Breyer was not Clinton's first choice either time. Um, no, the, in fact, his first choice was actually from South Carolina. The first go around, he actually called up 
uh, Dick Riley, mm. uh, who was his secretary of education, former governor, and asked him to serve on the Supreme Court. And he said no. Uh, remember, Clinton wanted to do that. Uh, Clinton at one point wanted to appoint Mario Cuomo. Um, the first meeting between Clinton and Breyer, when the seat that eventually went to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, Breyer had recently gotten hit on his butt. Like, Breyer is a famous, he likes the bike. He got hit while he was on his bike. He was in the hospital, left the hospital to go to the meeting. It was basically drugged up. And Clinton was like, I don't like that guy at all. Um, so it, it took us took a second for Breyer to get that you know second opportunity and chance. So th- th- and these things can come down to these kind of interpersonal um, 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 situations. And so we don't know. I, I imagine that that Biden has met Brown Jackson before through his work in the Obama administration, but he literally might not have never ever met Leandro Kruger. He might have never met uh, uh, a Justice Childs. So it might be that he meets you know one of these people and he's just blown away. So, you know, one of the big reasons why Merrick Garland is the is the attorney general is that Biden just really liked him and they got along uh, uh, while he was being vetted for the Supreme Court. So you, you never know how he's going to go. My point, obviously, and we should uh, you know get to this, is that whoever Biden nominates is going to be this immaculately qualified, accomplished and well credentialed um, black woman. You, you don't get a better resume than the resumes that we've just talked about. You only get as good. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a brilliant point and brilliant the way you said it. So let's get down to it, I guess. Which of these three is the most progressive jurist? They're all black, yes, but so is Clarence Thomas. Who of the three has the most progressive jurisprudence in your view? Honestly, I almost, Bakari, and you know this, I almost don't want to say it because like then they're going to take my what I said and then put it in the ad. <laughs> I know. It, it's going to hurt them. I mean, but well, let's just, I don't know how many Republican ad makers listen to my podcast, but whatever. Crazy we'll man on Bakari's show says she's... <laughs> Two Crazy Negroes is the name of the show, I think. <laughs> the most, the one I would, the one I know the best is Sharon Eiffel because I know that I know where she is on, on issues because she's had to take advocacy positions. After that, I probably go... Um, with Kruger, just because the way that she writes really lends itself, and probably, and probably the cases she sees in California right? too, and it just really lends itself to pushing that law left in very interesting ways. I think from there you go, Childs with that district court experience. I think that 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 Southern black experience, and I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of turn because I know this is your part. Of, Part, part, part of the world, but like having not been, what's the word I'm looking for, corporately captured by the Northeast elite machine, um, I do think gives her a little bit more, uh, makes her more interesting and exciting choice for me as a progressive, but there is nothing wrong with Brown Jackson um, in terms of how, you know, I never want to ding a person for doing all for sure. the right things to put themselves in the position to be a No, we, 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 this is an embarrassment of riches with these three amazing women. Why do you think Washington Democrats in particular have such an elitist uh, bend when it comes to judicial nominees when we're supposed to represent working class folks? I mean, with all due respect to, to your alma mater, what, what is it about Harvard and Yale schools in particular that has dominated Supreme Court nominees, particularly for Democratic presidents? I think a couple of reasons. One is, the, is that feeling of having unassailable credentials, right? So like it's it, all these nomination nomination fights can be political. You want to throw up somebody with like that looks to have a gold plate resume and at least take that off the table of ways that you can attack that person. That's number one. Number two, most not and you know this more more than more than most people. Most non lawyers have no idea what a lawyer does. Most non lawyers, including politicians, have no idea what a judge does. 
So they can't, they don't actually have the skill set to make a real comparative analysis between a, a good judge and a bad judge. One of the things that I said, and I said this during the primary, all these politicians, all these, you know, all the, you know, the 15 Democrats running, they were all just like, I would appoint judge, a judge that that's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Do you know what, that, do you know what that means? Do, do, like, do you, do you, can you actually tell me the difference between Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sotomayor? Most of the politicians can't. Hell, most of the politicians cannot tell me the difference between Ruth Bader Ginsburg and John Roberts, other than they like what Ginsburg votes, right? They don't actually know kind of intellectually the difference between them. And so they, they end up running towards the credentialization because it's like it's an easy way for them to get their heads around something that they truly don't understand. It's the same reason why people like, you know, why I, I look, I, I can barely balance a checkbook, right? I don't know nothing about, I don't know nothing about no Bitcoin. I'm not, I don't know Ethereum. That's not my skill set, right? So I'm going to go talk to Chuck. I'm going to go talk to Goldman Sachs. I'm going to go talk to a financial advisor. They're going to tell me, oh, put your money with Goldman Sachs. and be like, okay. And <laughs> that'll be that. That's what politicians do with the Supreme Court. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation process was 27 days. Will Democrats do the right thing and get this done quickly after the president's nomination? Because what most people don't want to acknowledge is that we are one death away from losing a majority. Look, the reason why I've been saying that Brian needs to retire for so long is that, you know, Dianne Feinstein's 84, Patrick Leahy is 81. One of them gets hit by a bus. One of them gets swept up in a tornado and like the whole majority is gone. So yeah, I think we're going to do it quickly. I, look, Charles, Chuck Schumer, he, he understands, he really, I, compared to other Senate leaders that we've had in recent times, Schumer gets it. Schumer understands how important this is. Um, I think this will move quickly. I think this will move quickly out of committee. And again, with the kind of qualifications that we're, we're dealing with, I, I, I don't, look, you can have me back on. You can make fun of me when I'm wrong. I think they're going to get 53 votes. I think this is not going to be all that contentious. That brings me to my next question and last question for you. When do you think we'll see a nomination? Who do you think the pick will be and which Republicans support the pick? I think it will be Brown Jackson. I think it will be the 54. My over under is 52. 
and I'm going to take the over. I'm going to say 54. They're going to get the three who voted for her before plus Romney this time because it costs them nothing. They're not changing. I think, they the- get, I think with Childs, you get 55 because I think you actually get. And this is where I would bet. Oh, you, you think you're going to get Tim Scott? I think I would bet on Tim Scott. I've lost many a bets on Tim Scott's before, but. I'm, Tim Scott it, I, has voted against Brown Jackson. He she, he voted against uh, Jackson Akume. Is another. It was another recent uh, federal judge yeah, from Minnesota. Like Tim Tim Scott's not our friend, man. Nah, but I think I think that I think the Judge Childs that South Carolina connection is going to mean something. All skin phone and Ken folk. We'll, we'll see. Look. Well, let, let's, all right, let, all right he, Zora. I heard you slide that. <laughs> people need to understand this, and then this this uh, I can close on this. These are important questions. These are the questions that the White House will be asking. These are the questions that Ron Klain will be asking. These, like, like when we see who the eventual nominee is, these questions hopefully will have been asked and answered. They want a, they want a confirmation, and they don't want a, they don't want a 50-50 confirmation with Harris breaking the tie. They will take that if they have to, but if they can, if they can get even one Republican vote, that's going to hold a lot of sway. So we'll see. My brother. I just want to say thank you for joining the Bakari Sellers podcast. It's your second time on the show. Your third time, we'll get a T-shirt made and send it to you. But until that time, you just have to go go with a thank you, my brother. It's always good to see you. Run off to MSNBC where you do great work and have a blessed day, friend. Thanks for having me.